When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Now, Vegas Insider, Senior Handicapper, and fan of the cold Budweiser bottles, Brian Edwards. It's got to be touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Brian Edwards. I don't really love it. Brian Edwards. Were they using the cream cheese to butter the bagel? Brian Edwards. I'm going with the cowgirls. Here is Brian Edwards. Well, not much better, or I can't introduce this man much better than our big voice guy Cam did opening up this segment. Brian Edwards joining us now, MajorWager.com, BrianEdwardsSports.com, at VegasBEdwards on Twitter. He joins us via StreamYard. You can catch him on YouTube or live on Twitter. There he is. Brian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How we doing? B, what's up, buddy? Feeling good. Looking oh, good. man, doing well. Had a nice uh, UFC card the other night. Not too uh, shabby. Four and two plus 3.63 units. Both losses were, um, I just put 0.3 units on Ferguson as a plus 300 dog. And I had a half unit on um, Paella to win by KO. But uh, everything else came out good. Paella and Holland were the big plays. Um, I, You know, I thought the Paella... Blahovich fight was could have gone either way. Yeah, yeah. I felt fortunate to get it, but then the MMA uh, media guys per MMA decisions, uh, I, I tweeted it out. I think it was like eighteen or twenty-two guys had it for pay. I was a little surprised it wasn't more of an even split there. Uh, were you watching the boxing, Damon? Or yeah, we. So I had split. Yep. So it was very. Okay. It was at the same time. I took a picture. I had one TV on boxing, one on the UFC, and. When we put both TVs on the UFC, Poirier and Gaethje were just being introduced. So, God, did, did you feel like you had watched enough of Blahovich Paella to have an idea? Yeah, I thought it, I thought it, I would not have been surprised if somehow that thing was a draw. After, <laughs> after round one, especially. It was, I thought it was pretty even. It could have, yeah. I don't know how Blahovich didn't put that one away after the early, first. Yeah, early. Oh. I mean, he was on top of him for five minutes. Yeah, it just uh, – it got – I think he's probably kicking himself, no pun intended. That one got away from him because he missed his opportunity. <laughs> then he, he gave the opening, himself. and Pae was just in better shape. And not having to cut all that weight, I think, helps him. Yeah. Um, surprised that the kick found a home to that left ear? <laughs> you know, when he, threw, when he threw that head kick in the first round, I looked at my buddy, I go – I don't think I've ever seen Go- Gagey throw a head kick. And then I, in his presser, he said he doesn't throw many. Well, it was kicks. off the feint, too. So you know that Poirier didn't see that coming because yeah. he's, he's thinking he's he's getting down on the right hand, and right. here comes the kick, and it's just like – He ee. threw that kick three times, too. Uh, ouch. Right. And I, I don't – I don't ever remember him throwing a head kick. I mean, it's always he throws the leg kicks constantly, but I've ne- I never remember him throwing a head kick ever. But 
at at, at this Nighty point night. For, at this point for you is McGregor just talking to be talking? Yep, just trying to keep his name in the news, man. Uh, they did they did come out with odds on um, Gaethje McGregor just in case it happens, and uh, Gaethje was like minus three thirty, I think. <laughs> yeah, not shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ever... look, McGregor's just an auto fade uh, when he does come back. <laughs> oh man, B. So away from UFC, away from boxing, you sent us some preseason. Uh, some preseason power rankings in college football. And, you know, we were talking about this at the beginning of the show with the Pac-12 essentially disbanding and all these teams trying to find new homes. Yet this season there will still be a Pac-12, and you like the Pac-12. There are some teams in the top 25 that – For as bad as they butchered their PR, they got a a handful of really good teams. Yeah, they got great quarterbacks. This is – this is the best – I mean, as the conference just unravels before our eyes, this is the best quality Pac-12 we've had in more than a decade. No doubt about it. I mean, I think you could call the top four teams legit CFP contenders, and Oregon State's pretty darn good too, and UCLA's not bad, especially if that five-star freshman mm-hmm. um, quarterback – you know, emerges, and I, I don't even know that, that he'll win the job, but, um, you know, if he does, I mean, Dante Moore, if he's as advertised, you know, UCLA should be pretty good. So, I mean, I've got the top six teams in my top 23. I'm a little worried they're going to cannibalize each other, though. I'm not that worried about it, but for the Pac-12 purposes, wanting to get a team in the CFP for the first time since Washington did it with Chris Peterson back in, I want to say 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, they've got teams that can do it. And, and, you know, I mentioned Oregon State, probably the fifth best team in the conference. They are, I just discovered this, 12-1 and straight up, 13-0 and against the spread in their last 13 home games. And their home uh, venue has been getting renovated and only been like half capacity the last two years, but now it's full. So, um, yeah. So uh, Oregon State's going to be good. Smith as Smith well. knows what he's doing as a head coach. He really does, man. I mean, like if if I wasn't worried about his, not, I don't even know his background if he's ever been in the SEC. But like, I would be like, man, that guy can coach come. I, you know, I don't know about the recruiting factor mm-hmm. and how much of his roots go back to the. South, or I'm guessing none, but um, yeah, that guy can definitely coach, no doubt. So, you know what's interesting? Because one of the teams in the Pac-12 that you like, and I know their schedule's tough. I was surprised to see their win total in it's like the eight and eight and a half range. But Utah on paper seems like they're going to be a really good football team, but they have a surprisingly low win low total. Number. I mean, they do open up with your Gator bait, but but still be. Is Utah better than we think, or is it more about the schedule? I think it's the schedule. Like, like, two, like the Pac-12 teams they don't have to play are Stanford, a layup victory, and Wazoo, who would be a victory as well, although Wazoo's not bad. Um, and then their non-conference, Florida at home and at Baylor. I mean, that I think it's all about the schedule. Oh, and Cam Rising, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to be healthy? Because Florida and Baylor are right out of the gate. So if Rising's not healthy and able to go, and right now he's only been cleared for throwing and dropping back, no lateral movement. So he's participated these first couple of practices in a limited basis. He has not even been approved uh, to move laterally or anything like, 
you know, quick reaction stuff. So, but I mean, you know, he's got several weeks. We'll see. But I think it's the rising um, situation and, and question mark for the first two weeks that are tough games. And, and then, you know, the schedule just in general, I mean, they got to play at USC and at Washington and at Oregon State on a short week. And then they still have to deal with Oregon and UCLA at home. And then, like I said, Florida and at Baylor. B, is there value at USC? I mean, they're the t- they're the team that you ranked atop all the Pac-12 teams at plus sixteen hundred to place that to win the national championship this year. Not historically a good defense, but they do have the projected number one pick in Caleb Williams. Do you think there is value at placing a bet like that? Uh, maybe in the sense that you could make a profit by hedging, um, you know, if they make the playoff and taking their opponent in the semifinals, future way, or, you know, figuring out something to hedge. I don't think they're going to win the national title, but they definitely have, the, I mean, they probably have the best offense in the country. They definitely have the potential to make the playoff. Um, I just worry about their defense. I know they added a lot of good talent defensively out of the portal. There's no doubt about that. Um, But, look, they were plus 22 in turnover margin last year, and and a lot of that has to do with the fact Caleb Williams doesn't turn it over much, 42 to 5 TDI&T ratio. But you still can't count on uh, their turnover margin being that lopsided in their favor. And I just worry about the defense. But they, you know, Lincoln Riley has been to the playoffs three times. Um, he can get them there. The defense has got to be much improved. You know, we'll see on that. I actually have Washington one notch. I have them at ninth and USC at tenth. Um, but Washington's got to play at USC and at Oregon State. Um, if there's a season win total in the Pac-12 that I, I do have a little lean on, it's Washington over the nine and a half at plus money. I would have rather have gotten it at nine and maybe shop around. If there's still a nine, I would like that because I think uh, you at least get a push. And, 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 you know, if Penix got hurt, you do have a backup that started 15 career games. Dylan Morris didn't play that great, but it was early in his career on some bad teams. Um, they went four and zero against ranked teams last year, 11 and two. Eight starters back on defense, seven on offense. They won seven games uh, by double digits. They were plus 1860, 1,860 in net yardage. Their two losses were on the road, one possession games last year. So I, I think Washington and USC are probably the best. And then there's Utah. And um, I'm leaving one team out. Oh, I'm leaving Oregon out. I, I probably have the least faith in Oregon. In fact, Oregon State might be better than Oregon. We'll see. I actually think they could go three and zero in the non-con. You have met number twenty-five. Got to be some value in looking at Mississippi State, doesn't it? You know, um, I just don't know about Arnett. I mean, not that I mean, I loved him as a defensive coordinator. We just don't know anything about him as a head coach, and he's going a, a little bit away from the air raid. I, it, I don't think they should go away from it too much, but they've hired a new AC. They're going to run OC, excuse me. They're going to run it more. But, man, Will Rogers had that air raid mastered. He ran it in high school, and I I, I just kind of have some questions. I think they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I just – I question Arnett. I don't know what kind of, you know, clock management decisions he's going to make. And I, I question, you know, Rogers adjusting to the new offense. 
So those are just some question marks for me that keep me off them in terms of a win total. SLU, Arizona, and I think it's Western Michigan in the non-con. I mean, that's that's pretty good for Mississippi State. All you need is seven plus 145 to get seven wins. Interesting. (laughs) B, we appreciate you sparking thought this morning. Uh, Take care. We'll talk again next week. Sounds good, fellas. Y'all have a good weekend weekend. Thanks, B. You too. That is Brian Edwards. When we come back, we will change gears and talk to Michael Brunt, senior writer for Husker 24-7. He's next on Coffee and Cream.